the left is so obsessed with race and so desperate to weaponize it, they'll find it and then create it where it doesn't exist. Case in point, the five black officers charged in the death of black Tyree Nichols. The show starts now. racism in this country, no doubt. But is there as much racism in this country as the left is desperate to have you believe? No. But they'll find a way to make everything about race because what else do they have? And so now it wasn't about black. It wasn't about white. It wasn't about brown. It wasn't about yellow. It was about blue and the way that blue sees black. When will the brutality finally lead to some police reform from the ground up because clearly it doesn't matter if it's a white policeman or a black policeman it is a problem in the police and the policing yes. itself you know seems things don't seem to make sense to people unless it's somebody they can feel or they can recognize mm -hmm. but how many times do we have to do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything i'm not suggesting that so don't write us and tell me what a, you know, what a racist I am. Oh, leave it to ESPN and the blowhards of The View to break down this tragedy with their race-baiting blinders on because color is all they see and, frankly, all they want to see. But there's no one better at it than non-best-selling author and the woman so anti-white she couldn't even keep a job at MSNBC Lights ESPN, Jamel Hill, who tweeted this brilliance, essentially telling us that black people have been taught to internalize self-hatred, so that's why the death of black Tyree Nichols at the hands of five black officers is still white people's fault. Yes, folks, in the end, it all leads back to white people. Joining me now with his take on that and more is front of the show, host of the Officer Tatum Show and podcast, Brandon Tatum. Oh, Brandon, I've been very curious as to your reaction to all of this, and I've seen a lot of it on social media, but let's just dig on in. I want to start with that premise there that the media is trying so hard to make this about race, even when it is inherently not about race. They really want it to be. Why do you think that is? I, I don't know if people are high on drugs. I don't know if it's something in the ozone layer. I, I don't know what's going on with the minds and brains of these people. But this this should be a clear example that it has nothing to do with race. <laughs> the police chief that trained these officers, that hired these officers are black. The black officers that did the, what they did, did it to a black victim. And so everybody's black. At what point does everybody black translate to white supremacy? It, it, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And then Ryan Clark, the, the football player that was on there, that was talking about it's not about black or white or whatever. It's about blue versus black. That's still race. You're saying that police officers are against black people, but you never explain that there's no real reason for you to be driving reckless and there's no reason for you to be resisting arrest. Now, they can be wrong and you can be wrong, too, at the same time. But this has nothing to do with race. If you ask me, it has everything to do with the fact that they defunded the police. And now it's hard for police department to get adequate police officers and actually get them trained properly. Because when I'm looking at the video of these five officers or so, they don't seem to have hardly any realistic training. They're not training them to be professionals. They're not training them how to take people down to the ground. They have no ground game. They have no defensive tactics. They, they, they're literally like guys who just showed up at the academy on the first day at the job and know nothing about policing. So it, it's more to me of the defund the police movement, the inadequacy of police officers or, or police departments to hire quality men to serve on the police department. That's more. It's more about that than it is about race. 
But if a few months back these officers would have been criticized for their lack of training, then that would have also been racist. So at the end of the day, everything comes back to someone's racist, and it's always white people's fault. But I want to ask you, because I know that you spent a majority of your life dedicated to this profession, in that situation, how would you have handled it as somebody who is a professional, somebody who is trained, who knows how to react in these situations? What would a professional stop would have looked like in your line of work? Well, it's kind of hard to see exactly how they initiated the stop. But but the first thing that I noticed is that you cannot take these things personally. If a guy is resisting arrest, it's not personal. If he takes off running and tries to try to flee from you, it is not personal. It is the part of doing business. So in my personal opinion, when I was a cop, I never cursed at people. I, di I didn't feel like it was necessary. I could still get my point across without cursing you out. And so I would have conducted a traffic stop. And we would have had, you know, if I had to use force, I would have used force. And if the guy runs, he runs, I catch him. But I'm not going to hold him up, punch him in the face, kick him while he's down, I guess acting like there's nobody recording me. That's not legitimate. Use your tactics. You can use peroneal strikes, which kicking people in the legs, cause people to go down to the ground. Then you can use your handcuffing techniques to handcuff this person. Most of the action should have occurred at the side of the vehicle, therefore he wouldn't have had an opportunity to run. And I'll say one thing, and I'm not here to advocate against taser. I never used a taser not one time when I was a police officer because the taser is not effective. As you can see, if you don't get the prongs in the right spot, it, it renders the thing ineffective, which gave the gentleman an opportunity to get up and run and cause more chaos. You need to address him, go hands-on, and use your handcuffing techniques, pressure points, and, 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 and the reasonable amount of force necessary to execute that arrest. It To me, it's really that simple. It's also very confusing. This whole scenario is very confusing to me. I don't understand why this specific specialized unit was arresting someone for reckless driving. I don't think that's really the intent of what this unit is supposed to do anyway. This seems like a very low-level thing, that there are five officers there. And then if you watch the extent of this video, which I have, it all seems, as you said, it's not personal. This video seems personal to me, and I want to bring up a rumor that's circulating online. Again, this is a rumor. We have no way to substantiate this, but there is a rumor going around that perhaps... Tyree Nichols had some kind of a relation with one of these officers or one of the significant others of one of these officers. So it was, in fact, personal, and that's why it went down the way that it did. Again, this is a rumor, but hearing that and watching and knowing the video as you do, what do you think about something like that? It could very well be the case. I mean, I did hear rumor-wise that, that his baby mama worked with the you know, Tyree Nichols, and they could have been in a relationship or something like that. And so therefore, you know, obviously he took his anger out on him. You know, the funny thing is, is that I would love to see in relation to the video, which gentleman was the man who may have this conflict of interest. Now, if he's the one punching him in the face, then I think the rumor maybe have some substantiation to it. However, you know, I, I just really think that I'm looking at officers who are not trained well. And, and think about this Scorpion unit. This is supposed to be a unit that handles high crime areas. You know, you, you cannot, listen, the, the police chief is diverting attention. She needs to resign. But they created this unit of a bunch of officers who are bad dudes. I mean, I think that's the spirit behind this. This happens in policing of a bunch of bad dudes that are going to do, uh, beat people up and, 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 and be aggressive in the hood. And that's why they all black. 
because they probably coordinated this for them to handle all the drama that goes on in Memphis in the black community. And these good dudes are going to do a, a hood service in the community. And I think it's, un, it's inappropriate. And, and this cannot be the first time that they've hemmed somebody up like this. I mean, they, they are organized in, 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 in abusing this individual. And so, you know, I think that it, it comes from the top down. This is this is a unit that was created to do exactly what they did. And they just so happened a guy died and then they got caught up because if he was white, they would never say anything about these officers. Because he's black, there's money to be made. So Benjamin Crump is going to make this a big deal. The media is going to push this as a big deal. Benjamin is going to make money. These officers are going to be thrown under the bus, rightfully so. And, and, and that's the reason, that's the only reason why these things are, are, are occurring the way that they are. Yeah, it's so odd to me, too, that doing what they did with the body cam on, it's like they didn't realize that they were being recorded, although they have the recording device on their person. It's all very odd. We're going to have to wait and see how this all comes out. I hope that we get more of the backstory here to connect some of these dots, but I wonder if we ever will, because, again, they've spun this narrative that this is about anti-black self-hatred, so anything else outside of that is going to disrupt that narrative. So, who knows? But I want to move along now to some more body cam footage. Uh, the Paul Pelosi body cam footage. I also watched that. Last week was a big week for body cam footage. Uh, I watched it, and I was expecting to see a little bit more than I did. So for those that haven't seen it, you know, you and I have both seen it. it they answer the door. They're standing next to each other. Paul looks to be in a long shirt in uh, underwear, holding a glass. And then the police open the door, and then the man just goes to town shortly thereafter. What was your reaction when you saw it? Is there something there that you saw that I didn't? Well, no, I thought it was very shocking, the police response. You know, as a former police officer, you know, I could have sworn that they were, you know, um, giving kudos to the dispatcher for diagnosing that this was a potential home invasion situation. And they, they gave her credit and kudos for that. But then again, how did they dispatch officers to the scene? Because there's no way whatsoever you're dispatched to a potential home invasion or burglar in somebody's home, and you're knocking on the door, turning your back to the door. One guy was on the phone, and you open the door, and the guy got a hammer in his hand, and Pelosi is trying to take the hammer from him. And the cops literally wait until the man, he, he could have killed him. He hit him in the head with a hammer, knocking him unconscious. He's bleeding all over the floor. So it's, it's just very bizarre to me that the police response was the way that it was. And also what was what was very bizarre to me is Pelosi's, like, I, I really wish that we could understand what exactly happened in the house. This man did break into the house, but how are him and Pelosi just ring around the Rosie around the house until the cops get there? Like, if the guy wanted to kill Pelosi, you would think he would be then hit him in the head with the hammer before the police show up. So it's, it's just weird how all of it transpired, that they're standing at the door, police open the door, the guy don't intend to attack Pelosi until the police are right there, ready to ready to take him down. You know, a, a part of me wonders if this guy was deranged, he knew he was going to get caught, he knew he didn't, uh, Nancy wasn't there, and that he wanted a suicide by cop situation, but the cops never responded like he expected them to, and it, it became a real bizarre, weird situation. Yeah, it was certainly bizarre. The whole thing here is just... Very, very bizarre. But I know one thing. There is one illegal immigrant that they wanted to get out of this country very quickly, and that was him. Of course, he was a Canadian, so a little different. But yes, this is all had a lot of mystery around it. 
something that doesn't have a lot of mystery around it. And the last question I want to ask you is uh, good old Mayor Lori Lightfoot in, in Chicago. All right. So she's got a new crime prevention technique that she wants the people to implement. And I know that you're probably just as uh, passionate about this topic as I am. But she's essentially saying if you don't want to be a victim, maybe don't wear expensive shoes. Don't wear shoes at all. Don't wear jewelry. Don't wear flashy items. So look homeless and that'll protect you in Lori Lightfoot's city. <laughs> What's your reaction to that one? Well, I, I, I call her Lori Dirtyfoot um, because she's doing nothing but destroying that city. You know, that's a cowardice response. It's like, if you don't want to get robbed, then make sure you don't wear any of the jewelry that you pay for, look like a homeless person, not walk around, you know, I mean, drive, do public transportation. You cannot live your life because we can't protect you. You pay us taxes. You pay for law enforcement, but we, we're going to make sure they're inadequate and you're not going to get anything that your money's worth. That that should not be the case. And let me say this. It's funny that they're open to say, hey, tuck your jewelry under, don't be a victim, but they never tell people to stop resisting arrest from police officers. But that's another story. However, it's failed leadership. You should not be telling your citizens that they have to tuck their the, the chains in like they're on Boys in the Hood or, or, or next Friday. You, Debo sh it shouldn't be taking your chain. What we should be doing is saying, we are going to fund our police department. We're going to make sure that we're proactively policing. We're going to take, and, and then when we arrest people, they're going to go to jail for real. They're not going to get let out in 24 hours just for them to come and bludgeon you again. So the, the leadership approach should be, we're going to take care of it. We're going to do it through law enforcement. We're going to do it through prosecution and, and making sure that people are, are held accountable. And that's what we're going to do. Not that you on your own, Jack, and doing these awkward dances with them club shoes she got on. I, I, you know, it's, it's embarrassing, but the people are voting for her. So they get what they deserve. Yeah, I still don't understand how that is happening. I don't understand how anyone thinks that she's an adequate leader whatsoever. But, you know, she also wanted uh, school children to do extra credit assignments to prop her up. So, you know, at the end of the day, who really knows what's going on with any of these things? Brandon, thank you so much for shedding some light on all this stuff, and we hope to have you back very soon because there's no shortage of insanity for us to go over. God bless you, and thank you, Tommy. Thanks for having me. Of course, as always. Still ahead, her husband may be the congressman in the family, but my next guest has a backbone and a voice of her own. Erica Donalds joins me next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
My next guest might be the wife of one of the GOP's brightest rising stars, Congressman Byron Donalds, a friend of this show. But make no mistake, she is a powerhouse in her own right and on a mission to bring education freedom to American students. Joining me now is CEO of the Optima Foundation and the wife of Congressman Byron Donalds, Erica Donalds. Erica, it is so great to talk to you. And let me tell you, we are such a, a fan of your husband on this show. He's always so gracious to spend a lot of time talking about the important issues with me. So thank you for sharing him with this show. Oh, I'm happy to. Happy to share him with America. I'm really proud of all that he is doing for all of us, but also really happy to be here with you, Tommy. I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. So I want to talk about some important issues like school choice, which I know that you are such an advocate for and freedom and education. But first, I have to ask you, when all of that was happening, they were voting for speaker and your husband's name was being tossed around. What were your thoughts on that? Did you expect that? Did Congressman Donalds expect that? Because that must have been a whirlwind for your family. It definitely was. We did not expect it at all. My boys and I were watching the process and we saw that he got one vote on the first day. We were so excited. We're like, wow, dad got one vote for Speaker of the House. That's historic. It's amazing. Next thing you know, he's being nominated for Speaker. Chip Roy did that amazing speech, which made me cry. And uh, he was off to the races and really just raised his profile, was able to make a difference in the negotiations. And my boys and I followed the entire thing. Uh, it was very exciting, but we're happy with what the Freedom Caucus members were able to get out of the negotiations and just proud that Byron was able to be a part of it. Well, he is such a rising star in this party, in this movement. We're so happy to have him fighting on behalf of Americans. I know in Florida, you guys are very lucky with a lot of fantastic leaders. But of course, as soon as his name was tossed around, there were so many racist and vile attacks that came his way, not only from members of the media, but his colleagues like Cori Bush in the House, which said, you know, his nomination is not historic. He still advocates for a white supremacist agenda. And I know that after that, your family did receive other attacks. Tell me what that was like and how you guys responded and discussed it as a family. Yeah, and this has happened for years. When you have a conservative, a black Republican, you get attacks from the left because they want to minimize his belief system, right? They want to say that he's a, being a Republican because he gets attention for being black, or they've elevated him because of the color of his skin so they can have this token black person. But if you know Byron, as I do, we've been married for almost 20 years, and the community that we've lived in for all of that time, it is a true a principled belief that he has that he came to on his own by reading John Locke and the law, Bastiat. He came to his own conservative values and he's able to articulate those, but they really want to minimize him and try to act like it's only because of the color of his skin. We know differently. And I was happy to start to call out some of those racist attacks, both against him and against me. Yeah, you know, they see him as a threat and they should because he is going to be a threat to the left a threat to Democrats, a threat to tyranny. And we're happy to see it and we're happy to have him fighting on our side. And I know that you are no stranger to the fight as well. And I know one of the issues you are very passionate about is school choice and education freedom. To me, that's such a winning issue for Republicans. It boggles my mind that Democrats and leftists are against school choice and the betterment of education for all students. But why do you think and how do you think Republicans can elevate this issue into a winning issue for us for elections to come? 
That's a great question. I feel like we're on that trajectory. I was actually on the school board here in our community in 2014. I served four years and I found out that that is not the way to have a positive effect on children. Instead, I think growing competition and a free market in education is what's really going to reform the system and create more quality options for families. So that's what I've been working on for the past eight years, trying to create quality options and make sure families have those options. We're really fortunate in Florida and Governor DeSantis leading the way to expand education choice to every single family, regardless of income or zip code. I think that these education savings accounts, if they're supported by Republicans across the country, and that's what we're seeing, are going to give rise to education innovations, to choices, and to the free market principles that we see in action every other area. You're going to see an increase in accessibility of quality education and quality for all families. Yeah, I don't know how Democrats rationalize anti-school choice, that certain people, because of their zip codes, should go to lesser schools and receive a lesser education. But I think we all know the reason for that is the almighty teachers union, who contribute 94 percent of their political action funds to Democrats. Of course, these teachers unions, they're a, a big threat to our children. They're a big threat to academia as a whole. And I know that in Florida, your governor fights them. I know that your governor is one of the governors that really ha has stood up for students above political action and all these other things that have an influence. But I wonder how we bring that nationwide to other states that maybe don't have a governor like Ron DeSantis. How do we fight the teachers unions in other states? Yeah, competition is going to be the battle against the teachers unions. And we're seeing even in states that don't have the same strength that Governor DeSantis has to do things like paycheck protection, where districts are no longer going to be able to take uh, union dues out of paychecks. Uh, we're seeing parents rise up. Look at Virginia. Virginia is not a red state. And they didn't have a red governor at the time when Moms for Liberty and other like groups rose up and made changes at the local level in their school boards, in their school districts, and demanded change. And that's the type of grassroots that we really need to see across the nation. It's what's going to bring new policies to bear. And it's what's going to turn Democrats who want to win elections over to the side of school choice because it is a winning issue on both sides of the aisle. No, it absolutely is. And if Republicans mes message it correctly, it can certainly be a winning issue and a feather in our cap. Last question for you, and I asked your husband this several weeks ago, but I have to ask you as well, because you guys are in an interesting position. You're in Florida with a fantastic governor. I know that your husband is a big supporter as well of Donald Trump, but there's a lot of discussions that those two are going to go head to head in 2024. We know that we don't have an announcement yet from Ron DeSantis. We're anxiously awaiting one. Those of us on the conservative side would love to see him announce. But I have to ask you, if push comes to shove and it is Trump versus DeSantis, which way does the Donald's family align? And maybe you guys are divided on that. I don't know. We are not divided, and we haven't made a decision about that yet. It's not something we're going to get into. There's only one candidate for president right now. That's Donald J. Trump, our president. We're very proud of what he did as the president of the United States. We're always very supportive of Donald Trump. But as you know, I'm one of Mamas for DeSantis. I've been working really hard for his reelection as governor, and I'm constantly supporting his agenda as governor. There's nothing that I want to do to jeopardize either one of their successes, because I think they're both doing amazing things for our country. So when the time comes and the competition gets heated up and actually is a head-to-head -head competition, of course, we'll have to make a decision at that point. But right now, it's uh, easy enough. We get to support both of them and what they're doing for our country, and they're both amazing.
We're very lucky that we have two wonderful candidates. I don't know what they have on the other side, but it's not looking good. Erica, thanks so much for spending the time with us. We certainly appreciated everything that you're doing in Florida and all the advocacy work that you do, especially for education and education freedom. And you're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. All right, up next, California Governor Gavin Newsom is doing the most on Twitter because he has his greasy little sight set on 2024. My final thoughts are next. If you follow California Governor Greasy Gavin on Twitter, you know he's been doing the most. Gavin, tell me you're running in 2024 without telling me you're running in 2024. It's time for Final Thoughts. Folks, California Governor Gavin Newsom has been on one lately. He wants everyone to know that despite record homelessness, crime, taxes, regulations, and the occasional rolling blackout, things in California are just peachy. He got especially amped up when the RNC held its meeting at the Waldorf in L.A. And of all the Republican states led by Republican governors, of course, he chooses to direct the majority of his attention to Florida and Ron DeSantis for two very apparent reasons. One, Californians and their businesses are fleeing to Florida, and two, He's already positioning himself to be the Democrat candidate in 2024, and he knows Ron DeSantis, not Trump, not Nikki Haley, and certainly not Mike Pence, will be his biggest competition. I would not be surprised if Gavin had cutouts of Ron taped up all over his room. The obsession, the DDS, DeSantis derangement syndrome, is real. Gavin likely wants to be Ron, but at least publicly, he just wants to beat him to the Oval Office. As for good old classified Joe... If you could see Gavin's face in this photo, you'd almost certainly see him scoping the nearest cliff to help Joe over. Now, Gavin's strategy is a little unconventional. He's trying to be Mr. Freedom when it comes to unfettered abortions and illegal immigration, drag queens, and transgender operations for kids, but not so much when it comes to the First Amendment, Second Amendment, school choice, or doctors who speak out about vaccines and COVID. It's an odd approach if you've not lived in California, but if you have, you know this is the run of show in that godforsaken state. But a word of warning, every bad idea originates in California. California is the Wuhan lab of bad public policy, tyranny, voter fraud, and ideological delusion. Gavin is already getting his hair gel ready to take all those things nationwide come 2024, and I welcome it. Let's just not be dumb enough on the Republican side to miss the mark. Question is, do you want your America to look more like California or Florida? Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to catch the entire show as well as exclusive content only on Outkick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.